You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast recap. I am Chip Brown. Of horns 247.com joined by the one and only Eric Henry. And Eric, we are recapping Texas's first loss of the season and what a game this was. A Red River shootout uh, that Texas fans won't soon forget. 34 30, Oklahoma uh, wins this one. They um, basically, they come from behind. I mean, Texas, as bad as they played, I'm hearing an echo back from your. Uh, are you still hearing it now? I'm hearing it. Let's see. Talk. I'm talking. I'm talking. No. Hang, hang on before you go, Chip. Let me just write down that timestamp so we can get that edited out. It's one called one minute mark. Okay, whenever you're ready. Okay. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast recap. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the one and only Eric Henry. And Eric, we are recapping uh, Texas's 34 30 loss to the Oklahoma Suitors. It was a Red River shootout with a little bit of everything, probably even more um, than what Texas wanted in terms of their inability to stop OU quarterback Dylan Gabriel on the ground. Dylan Gabriel, he, he wins the Crazy Legs Award uh, for the quarterback position in this one. Um, and then you know, you, you had this crazy uh, first six minutes of the game where Texas turns it over twice, yet they block a punt for a touchdown. They execute a fake punt. Jordan Whittington uh, takes it for 20 yards on fourth and 13. Jordan Whittington, by the way, um, one of two 100-yard receivers in this game. Eric, if I would have told you that Quinn Ewers would have a career-high uh, completion percentage, 81% he completed, threw for 346 yards. Jonathan Brooks runs for his fourth straight 100-yard 
rushing game and Texas had two 100 yard receivers. Um, you know, Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy. You probably would have thought Texas won this game, but three turnovers, nine penalties. Um, they couldn't stop Dylan Gabriel when it mattered most. I mean, Bert Auburn, the beleaguered Bert Auburn, uh, goes three of three on field goals, including a 47 yarder with a minute 17 left. And Texas goes up 30 27 in in the game, and then Oklahoma has no timeouts, and Dylan Gabriel goes 4-4 passing. They get a pass interference penalty flag on Terrence Brooks, who ran Nick Anderson out of bounds inexplicably, and and then there's a miscommunication on a three-yard touchdown pass from uh, Dylan Gabriel to Nick Anderson, where David Benda said after the game, that was on me. He was supposed to go with Nick Anderson, he just kind of got his eyes in the backfield, got uh, got locked up. And Dylan Gabriel, with pressure coming down around him, found Nick Anderson. He just – he – Eric, we said Dylan Gabriel might have to play, a you know, the game of his life to beat Texas, and by God, he did it. Chip, well, as I said to you off here, your 30th Red River shootout, my first – this one, I, I don't know where this one ranks amongst your, you know, 30, but this is a hell of a Red River shootout for me to get introduced to the rivalry. I mean, it's certainly- I mean, what did you think, Eric? You, yeah. So you, you take in this atmosphere, this unique one-of-a-kind situation where they divide the fans at the 50, half of the Cotton Bowl burnt orange, half of it crimson. You heard those, you know, that sound and the momentum swings in the game. What did you think of it? Chip, everything about the day is special, and I won't go, you know, too long into, you know, waxing poetically about it, but uh, even the location being the state fair and walking through the fair to get to the Cotton Bowl, it's all those things that you hear about and you can't truly understand it until you experience it right. The, all of those things are special. Seeing the legions of Oklahoma fans and Texas fans, you know, file their way into the Cotton Bowl. So really did make for a great atmosphere. And like you said, you know, just seeing a stadium split right down the middle 50 50 is something I, I have never witnessed before. And uh, as I opened with, you know, this game lived up to all the hype of a matchup of two top 15 teams, Chip. And listen, this is by no means a, a victory lap on, on my end or our end. I won't speak for, for, for both of us, but I, I'm just going to say this. Sometimes, Chip, we kind of know what we're talking about. Sometimes, maybe not all the times, but sometimes throughout the week, whether it was our interview with ESPN's Greg McElroy, did a great job uh, making time for here on the podcast, or you know, articles that you wrote about, articles that, that I wrote. We talked about a couple of things in specificity. One, containing Dylan Gabriel, right? There is a big difference. The type of player that Dylan Gabriel is, and for whatever you think of his ceiling as a quarterback, that's up for debate, right? But you can't argue with the fact that he has been one of the nation's best quarterbacks over the past four years. And I saw some chatter on the board saying, oh, you know, Oklahoma hasn't really played anybody. And that's true, but it's not like the guy is starting his first year. He's a veteran. He's been around the block. And you knew, Chip, deep down, the fact that he got knocked out of last year, or not knocked out of last year's game, excuse me, he was knocked out prior to last year's game and did a, didn't get a chance to compete in this one. You knew he was going to be amped up for it. You saw it from the opening kickoff. I mean, he looked like a guy possessed. He looked like Chip. We talked about it, right? 
who can be the best quarterback on the field. I was wrong. I, I, I said, I did say that I thought Dylan Gabriel was the better quarterback, but I thought that Texas would have the better team around him. We can still make the case that Texas is the better team, but Dylan Gabriel played like a man possessed. And the other thing that I want to point out to you, and I definitely want to get your thoughts on these things, Chip, is we talked about red zone. I brought it up with Greg. I, I wrote about it, even going back to the offseason, Chip, early on, when, you know, in our first few podcasts together. And I remember saying this to you in, in, in the press box. When everyone in the stadium knows you got to run the football and you need some yards. How about one yard? Or we had one goal plural. How about one yard? First and goal from the one. I know advanced metrics and analytics aren't necessarily everyone's cup of tea, right? But it's really more or less just looking at a pattern of trends and seeing how whatever you're measuring as performed over a period of time. Texas didn't perform outstanding last year in those moments when you knew everyone in the stadium knows you need to run the football to pick up a couple yards, Chip, as you stated. In this case, one yard. I said it to you upstairs. It felt like the, the juxtaposition of this game was when Oklahoma was able to finish a drive by running four straight times right into the end zone, and when Texas needed a yard four straight times, they couldn't get it. Three runs, one pass. So that, to me, really was just the defining moments of this game, the defining variables and things that maybe cost Texas this ball game. But the, the, the positive is it wasn't like they were ever out of it. You know what I mean? They, they, they did find a way to come back and uh, they'll have to go into the bye week and definitely get the short yard stuff uh, fixed up and, and, and the goal line stuff fixed up on both sides of the ball. But yeah, Chip, my first Red River shootout lived up to the hype. And uh, it, it certainly was something I'm thinking I'm still buzzing for now. And I've, it's been what, six hours since I left the stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that Texas took its first lead in this game with a minute 17 left. And as we touched on, they probably, well, they can look in the mirror and say, you know, we did not play our best game. I thought, um, you know, the nine penalties, the three turnovers all by Quinn Ewers and, and yet the defense couldn't get a stop when it mattered most. And I know, you know, some people are saying clock management cost Texas at the end of this game um, because Texas had a uh, first and 10 at the Oklahoma 35. Um, and then Quinn Ewers gets sacked and it kind of got him off schedule. Um, although they did complete a pass to Xavier Worthy on second and 13. Oklahoma took a timeout because like they did at the end of the first half, they were, you know, they wanted time left on the clock for them to answer if Texas is going to score. Um, and Jonathan Brooks ran for six yards. On third and 10, you're trying to keep the clock moving. And, you know, Texas lines up like they're going to run offense. On fourth and four, they end up calling a timeout because they couldn't get OU to jump off sides. 
So they burn the timeout with a minute 22 left, and Bert Auburn comes out, kicks a 47-yard field goal. At that point, Eric, you're thinking, okay, OU has no timeouts. It they have a they have 117 left in this Texas defense, um, which you know was substituting throughout the game. Uh, surely they'll come up with an answer here. And you know, to Dylan Gabriel's credit, you know, Texas got some pressure on him. He stepped up into the pocket, he found Drake Stoops for 11 yards, he he found Jaleel Farouk for 16 yards. He hit Drake Stoops again for 28 yards, and suddenly, you know, they're right there in Texas territory, and on the next play, Terrence Brooks gets called for pass interference, and suddenly OU has first and goal from the six. And you're thinking, okay, there's still only a matter of seconds left, and, you know, it just – it was a hell of a game. It was a hell of a college football game, and as we – you know, look at the heartache of it that Texas couldn't contain Dylan Gabriel, that they committed too many penalties. They couldn't make a yard um, on first and goal from the one and the red zone issues definitely continue. Look at Texas's red zone. They were one for three um, in, in the red zone. Uh, whereas OU was six of six, including four touchdowns, three Three rushing touchdowns. Texas had not given up a rushing touchdown in the red zone um, all year until today, and they gave up three. And then they give up the game-winning three-yard touchdown pass as well. So lots to work on. There were some injuries in this game. Uh, Jake Majors, the, the veteran center for Texas, goes down early in this game. I think about the 12, I'm, I'm like two minutes into the game. So in comes Connor Robertson, the redshirt freshman. Suddenly he's having to, you know, get his first significant playing time in this crazy atmosphere. Uh, and yet Texas still had a 100-yard rusher, uh, you know, two 100-yard receivers, and Quinn Ewers throws for 346 yards and completes 31 to 37 passes. Um, and, you know, Jordan Whittington, the fake punt that he executed for 20 yards, the the 10 catches for hundred plus yards. This was the best game he's had all season. And Xavier Worthy made some tough catches throughout this game. I thought he made himself some money today. Um, there's stuff to build on here and Oklahoma looks legit. So Oklahoma wins out, Texas wins out. They'll play again, Eric, um, in the, in the big 12 title game. And that's gotta be the goal at this point undoubtedly and you know you could tell when we spoke with some of the players post game they they didn't want to you know they, they still were feeling the loss but you could kind of tell that they they didn't want to put the, the cart before the, the buggy or you know i wasn't to mess up that idiom so apologies if i did but essentially they didn't want to get too far ahead of themselves but you could kind of get the feeling chip that they they want another shot at that game right because you feel if they play better and you know if they play better things pan out differently chip i, I want to run two hypotheticals by you i think they're, they're pretty important to talk about uh, in specificity to this game and going forward if there is going to be a rematch with ou one chip and i i don't think i said this to you post game i think i said it to tommy yarish in our instant reaction 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it almost feel in a way, Chip, like last week missing Jalen Daniels? All of the talk was about a guy who scrambles to throw as opposed to someone who scrambles to run, right? Well, this was Jalen Daniels on steroids, <laughs> essentially a Dylan Gabriel, right? Someone who uses his legs, but is using his legs while sure he ripped off the 44 yard run. And I'll come back to that one in a second. He's scrambling up the pocket. We heard Steve Sarkeesian talk about the fact that he really hurt the Texas defense by scrambling up into the pocket as opposed to side to side and making plays downfield. It, it almost, you almost wish in one sense that they, Texas could have had a little bit of a tune-up test, and this is no disrespect to Kansas, but an opportunity to play someone who's going to play that style of football because you saw what really happened is today. I'm not going to say they were ill-prepared for it, but it's a different dynamic when you're facing someone who does have the ability dual threat right to run but their first instinct is to try to make that move to get the ball out of their hands upfield so that's one the second thing and i would be curious you know to ask some of the guys this when we well we won't get on monday it's a bye week we'll probably only get steve sarkeesian but the next time we get a chance to talk to the players i i wonder if hindsight being 2020 if maybe they i don't want to say underestimated but because they didn't play against him last year, they didn't really get a feel for just how elusive and how much of a scrambler Dylan Gabriel is, Chip. I had a conversation with Florida National Head Coach Mike McIntyre, who played Dylan Gabriel in a 50-49 shootout when he was a defensive corner at Memphis and Gabriel was at UCF. And you know, we had a, about a 10-minute conversation, and, and he ended the conversation with this, Chip. He said, one other thing, you know, and, and of course he knows I went to UCF, so he said, you know, one other thing about your guy, he's in air quotes, is – He's a lot shiftier than maybe he gets credit for. Just remember that. That was the last thing Mike McIntyre said to me. And we saw that on the 44-yard scramble he takes off, and that put tech, put Oklahoma in position for points. And then, as I said, you know, just finding ways to maneuver the pocket up into the pocket to find ways downfield. And Chip, we saw it, you know, primarily, or not primarily, but almost, you know, a, a, a shining example of it on that last drive when you talked about a lot, all, I think three of those passes that went for first downs, they came with him. I think the first one might have been a quick pass, but the other two came with him using his legs to get up into the pocket and, and extend the play. So that's definitely something that I'd be curious to see, you know, whether it's Pete Kutowski or, of course, uh, the guys on defense, um, you know, what their thoughts. I was hoping to get a chance to talk to, to Jade Barron, didn't get a chance to. So to revisit that, you know, um, Chip, a lot of the conversation was about him being heady and, and, and him kind of um, – you know, Jalen called him a gamer. Um, Jade called him the head of the snake. But I wonder what they would make now that they've had a chance to share the field with him as far as his athleticism in that sense, Chip. Yeah, David Benda said the guy, you know, was on point, that he he was elusive. He was um, able to extend plays, obviously, with his legs, whether it was to throw or to run. Um, and... And he did it all game long. I mean, Quinn Ewers throws the interception on the second play of the game. 
I don't know what he was thinking on that throw because it was coverage. It was a terrible, ill-advised throw that Gentry Williams picks off and gives OU the ball at the 22. And that sets up Dylan Gabriel for a nine-yard touchdown run. Uh, that was the first real indicator because that was a quarterback draw. That was a designed quarterback run, and he just gutted the the uh, Texas defense on that. And, and then he continued it throughout the day. Texas was credited with one sack, Anthony Hill Jr. Um, but, you know, compared to OU, who sacked Quinn Ewers five times, had 10 tackles for loss. And how much of that was with, you know, not having Jake Majors to help, you know, organize protections or call out protections. How much of it was, um, you know, just OU being really well schemed up. I mean, I don't think there's any question that Brent Venables and his staff uh, get the coaching check mark in this in this game. They were totally prepared. Um, you know, we didn't. I think OU's running game was seen as a weakness coming into this game, and Dylan Gabriel had only run for I think his high was 37 yards rushing in a game this season. So um, they, they had a great game plan. They Dylan Gabriel's legs were a big part of the game plan. And, and now Texas knows. <laughs> so if they are both able to win out and if, and David Benda, who, you know, obviously felt terrible about his uh, role in the, in the game winning touchdown pass and the, lack of um, communication and his inability to, to, you know, stay with Nick Anderson in the end zone. He said, we're definitely going to meet OU again at the end of the year. So they sounded pretty calm, Eric. I mean, if we're going to kind of shift our focus to how did the players react after the game, Jonathan Brooks, uh, David Benda, they, you know, others, they sounded, you know, we, we got to get back to work. Everything's still in front of us, but you know, this was a gut punch and they're going to have two weeks to kind of stew in it. Christian Jones, the offensive tackle said, I'm kind of glad we have a, a little time here to let this pain sink in because we've got to come back and, and really we don't have any margin for error. So this is, you know, we've seen teams last year, TCU beats K-State in the regular season, K-State beats TCU in the Big 12 title game. So uh, it's hard to beat a team twice in a year, Eric, and um, there were positives in this game. I mean, we mentioned Ewer's highest career completion rate, Jonathan Brooks, and you wrote about Jonathan Brooks. I mean, um, did you think he should have gotten more carries in this game? And I mean, the guy just gets better as the game goes on. And he's so decisive, Eric. He was he was a weapon, a big time weapon for Texas uh, as that game went on. Yeah, Chip, you know, it's interesting in this game specifically. It's a little tough to look back because it always felt to me especially after Oklahoma jumped out with the early momentum, 
that Texas may have figuratively and literally have been playing from behind. Now, of course, it doesn't mean you can't feature your running back, right? I mean, you know, 22 carries and, and JB performed really well. But I think as a whole, Brooks has shown that he can handle 30, right? And that he only gets better as the game continues. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to take away carries from CJ Baxter as well. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian has been, you know, pretty adamant that he does want to get CJ Baxter involved in the running game. And, and obviously he, he won the RB1 uh, job out of camp for a reason. So you understand that, right? But with that being said, I, I think if there were any questions as to how, uh, and I and Chip, I take this all the way back to Big 12 media days when Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, do we have a running back by committee or do we have a bell cow or do we have someone that's going to be, you know, 20, 25, 30? Well, I think now at this point, you know, you have someone in Jonathan Brooks who, again, um, Chip, I, 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 I'm trying to remember the comp that uh, you and Jeff Howe, I think, shared a Texas comp. I, I, I It may have been a, tech, a former Texas running back. I can't remember. Priest, Priest it, Holmes. Right. There we go. Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes, right? Um, just a silky smooth runner. And I think I want to say it was Jalen Ford who said this the other week that, you know, his speed is deceptive. You know, you don't realize it until he's at the second level of the defense and he's making, you know, a 15, 20, 25 yard run. But yeah, man, they're, they're, the one thing, Chip, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't feel like you've ever seen Jonathan Brooks get stuffed behind the line too often this year for a loss of one or a loss of two. And of course, a lot of that you know, plays with the offensive line, but it feels like Brooks is always moving forward and making that first man miss. So yes, I do think the case can be made for, for more touches with him. And uh, I just want to make a quick point to something you said in terms of the guy's attitude post-game. Yeah, I do think there's good reason for that. Um, Texas didn't play its best game, right? It'd be one thing if Texas played its best game and, oh man, we just can't beat these guys. You can look back <laughs> even during the game and see the things that cost them the game. So in that sense, yes, I do think there is a, I don't want to use the word comfort, but at least there's an, there's an understanding that, hey, you can point to these things. And if you clean these things up, it's probably a different ball game. So certainly makes sense, Chip. And, and, I, and I think, and I, I wrote about this, and you have, you know, all of your, your three decades of, of covering this game. While something like last year was a first, right? 49-0, there's nothing to lean back on and try to pull from historically in, in terms of that deficit. You had to feel, Chip, and, and I'm asking you here, you, you had to feel as if Oklahoma was going to, with every fiber in their body was going to try to pick yourselves off the canvas and, 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 and punch back and, and want to put all of the talk of last year that they had to live with for 365 days behind them. That, that, that felt reasonable, right? Even no matter what you thought about the outcome of this game, that felt reasonable. Sure. Yeah. And we learned after the game that OU's strength coach, instead of having them do, you know, 25 medicine ball sit-ups to start every workout. They did 49 to remind them of the 49, nothing loss um, to Texas. So there were little things that the strength coach did throughout the off season to remind these players of that humiliation and that there was going to be a, a commitment, a determination that would show up today. And it did. And and you're right. There there are definitely things you can look back at during the game and say, Texas, um, if they'd only, you know, if Jaron Thompson hangs on to that interception in the end zone that 
OU ends up kicking a field goal. Um, if, uh, if they didn't commit nine penalties, if they could have gotten one yard on first and goal. Um, so the thing that gets you, Eric is, you know, Sark hasn't liked to answer the questions about the red zone offense. It's a problem. And it, it's a, it's been a problem. It was a problem. You wrote about it. It was a problem last year, Texas, picking up those uh, short yardage situations. And, and it's a problem this year. And with this bye week coming up off week before they, they get back into action against Houston um, in two weeks at Houston, they got to get this thing figured out. And, uh, they brought in that heavy package with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy as fullbacks. And I thought that just allowed OU to bunch everything up. On fourth down, they brought in their regular offense. And it was a great play by, you know, Billy Bowman to, to stuff Worthy, who made a great catch. Yours made a great throw. And literally, it was an inch short of the goal line. Um, to convert on fourth and goal. It was that close. That It was that kind of game. OU, as you said, determined after 49 to nothing. That doesn't sit lightly, uh, especially with this rivalry and and the embarrassment that came from it. So, um, look, Texas knows now what they're up against. And in a Big 12 that just – you don't know – I mean, Iowa State beat the brakes off of TCU tonight. And, you know, West Virginia is sitting there undefeated with an off week before uh, they play Houston next Thursday, I believe. So um, Texas doesn't play West Virginia. OU does. I, I don't know what to make of West Virginia at this point. The bottom line is, in case state lost to Oklahoma State this weekend. So, um Basically, Texas just needs to, you know, get back to that fourth quarter assassin mentality. It looked like they were going to pull it off um, and and credit OU, Jeff Levy, their tempo offense, because uh, it, it did catch Texas in some weird, you know, personnel groupings on defense. And if if OU didn't substitute, then Texas got stuck with the players that were out there on defense. And there was a, a run there where Texas had some backup defensive linemen on the field. Um, and, and OU took advantage of that. So, um, and Quinn Ewers, what a weird game. He had a stretch of 19 straight completions, Eric. Um, and, and I shortchanged him. It was an 84% completion rate. And yet, the three turnovers. And so the, the positive is he threw two interceptions in the first six minutes of the game and came back and, you know, put a really good performance together the rest of the way. So uh, there are positives from this. And uh, I, I can't imagine the voters are going to drop Texas much lower than 10. Um, But we'll see. I mean, it's uh it's time to regroup, do a little self-reflecting, and see if they can get better.
from here because the sign of a well-coached team, week-to-week improvement, and the Longhorns are going to need to make that improvement uh, if they want to win this last Big 12 title. Um, Eric, any closing thoughts? Um, And we'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I'll just quickly kind of add in terms of the the red zone goal line um, struggles, you know, and and you, you talked about it, you know, C. Sarkeesian didn't necessarily want to address it. It was asked last week when the reporter, I, I asked the question this week, maybe I, I could have framed it a little bit better. Maybe I, that would have gotten a bit of a, a longer uh, answer out of Steve Sarkeesian, but I asked him, you know, hey, you know, you, you didn't want to make too much out of the red zone last week concerning the fact it was a win, you know. Now that the, you had the issues this week, is it, how do you go? What do you make of it, and how do you go about fixing it in the bye week? Well, in my mind, Chip, just this is the thing I kind of want to touch on, right? I don't necessarily have an issue with the play calling of putting Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat down there. Now, the argument can be made that's way too many bodies and that small of space uh, already, and it, and it just condenses the defense. Um, I just have an issue with the execution. Right. And that is the thing that I think you have to kind of coach better or execute better. Right. You know, whatever your goal line package is, if that's if that's your thing and I'm on I am now six games into my Texas beat chip. So I don't have two and a half years worth of Steve Sarkeesian um, goal line, you know, recollection to to go back on. If that's if that's what they run and he said uh, we've run it well here for two years, then you got to do it. Right. But. I, what I do know is it hasn't worked well this year and you've had some issues in short yardage last year. So for whatever it is, you just have to execute it better because Chip, as we talked about on this podcast um, last week, there's <laughs> you can only trade threes for sevens so long. You said Texas, excuse me, Oklahoma was six for six in the red zone, right? Well, guess six what? Six for six, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. And credit to the Texas defense to hold them to field goals on the other two possessions. It could have been a bloodbath. Chip, all I was going to say is this, and a great call on your point. All I was going to say is this. At the end of the day, it ended up being a four-point differential, right? If you can make the argument for as sloppy as Texas played, if they get seven on one of those opportunities, we're having a different discussion. So it's something that, um, listen, no coach wants to be asked. You know, no one wants to be asked about, you know, a bad day at the office, right? We get that. But – it's something that has to be addressed and clearly it did rear its ugly head uh, this morning or this afternoon at the cotton bowl. Yeah. All right, folks, we appreciate you uh, listening in to our flagship podcast recap of Texas's 34 30 loss to Oklahoma. Uh, Make sure that you're subscribed to the horns 24 seven YouTube channel, hit subscribe there notifications that way we let you know uh every time there is a new episode and feel free to give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts that would help us with the with the bosses um for eric henry i am chip brown until next time we'll see you over at horns 247.com stay safe and keep the faith